Just Some Podcast Media. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess, Pollyanna Amazing, and today we're going to be discussing some very interesting information with a new friend of mine. Her name is Shannon, and let's back it up a little and talk about where you can find me. You can find me at buriedpleasures.com, Buried Pleasures on Twitter and Instagram, and you can also find me on Facebook at Pleasure Pathways. So... Good morning. I'm in uh, the Pacific Northwest and my really good friend here is in New York. Tell me, how's the weather this morning, Shannon? Uh, (laughs) uh, It's cold. I'm hoping it warms up next week. (laughs) Tomorrow, even. In New York, it's kind of either hot or cold. Is that how that goes? Yeah, (laughs) but my crocus are up. So that always gives me hope for the warm weather. Fantastic. So tell the audience who you are, Shannon, what you do and how they can find you. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. And thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm really honored. I am Shannon Whittington. I am a consultant in the LGBTQ space. I teach organizations how to have LGBTQ inclusive environments. I am also a clinical nurse educator specializing in the transgender space of teaching clinicians how to care for transgender patients after they've had various gender affirming surgeries. I serve as a consultant for healthcare organizations, nursing schools, universities, and I teach LGBTQ patient centered care. My primary platform is LinkedIn. I'm connected with hundreds and hundreds of nurses on LinkedIn. So you can follow me there. I also have EG, IG, uh, Shannon Whittington Consulting, but LinkedIn is my primary social media site. So, All right, fantastic. So let's start out with the simple, easy thing. Let's go ahead and define for people out there who are a little confused on all of the initials and things that we use. Why don't you lay out for me what exactly is LGBTQ? And that's such a good question to start with because that's how I start my trainings. What is that? And, you know, this language is linguistically fluid. It can change every three to five years. Uh, A while back, it was LGBT and it stopped there. They recently added the Q uh, a few years ago and now we have QIA and it can just keep going. TikTok calls it the alphabet mafia. So just in very, very basic terms, L stands for lesbian two women together. 
It's what I am. I've been with my wife for 21 years. And G, which I prefer to call myself gay, because to me it has a nicer ring to it, is traditionally two guys together, but uh, a lot of other people call themselves gay who are in this these letters, right? B is bi for short or bisexual. And these are individuals who can be attracted to men or women or trans people. It really doesn't matter. Like they don't pick one or the other. It's just who they happen to uh, fall for. At the time, society like tries to force them to pick. My girlfriend's bisexual and she's always getting that from society. Oh, you should pick one or the other. But it just, you know, sometimes she's with a girl, sometimes she's with a guy. And she said if she met a trans person and she was attracted to them, she'd be with them. Then you have T for transgender or trans for short. Um, and these are individuals who disagree with their assigned anatomical sex at birth. So if they were born with a vagina, they felt like they should have been born with a penis and vice versa. And then you have Q, which stands for queer or questioning. These can be individuals who can be attracted to anyone. Adding on the plus intersex I, individuals who are born with undefined genitalia or maybe one, maybe more uh, larger than the other. And then asexual people don't really have a uh, sexual desire for anyone. So those are like the basic letters that you will see the most. And what I always say is that, you know, a society likes to define everything and put everything in a box, but it's whatever that person it is to them. Like some women who are gay have no problem saying they're lesbians. And my personal preference is to say I'm gay. So it's really whatever that definition is for that individual person. Gotcha. So um, it's it's a language of uh, inclusivity versus exclusivity is what I'm hearing, which I think is fantastic. Uh, do you think in, in all of these teachings that you've been doing, have you found that people are looking at you and resonating and saying, oh my gosh, I never knew that that a label could make me feel so much better about who I am? Or are you seeing people who are even more confused with all the letters and, and, and all the monikers? Do you think that that's a thing? I think it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like I said, my primary platform is LinkedIn and that's where I do what's for how we met. Yeah. And I have so many people DM me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm so glad you're standing up for us. Uh, it's so great to see someone, you know, raising their voice for the voiceless. And then I also have a lot of DMs that say, oh, you know, I'm a part of this population. I'll say, oh, you want to do this together? Oh, no, no, no. My company doesn't know. I don't want anyone to know. And which I understand, you know, I talk a lot about safety, uh, being out in the workplace and how safe is it. So it's a little bit of both. You know, when I first started, on LinkedIn, I wasn't planning on being the gay poster woman, so to speak. I just started talking about it a little bit. And that's when my audience started to really blossom. And, you know, I speak all over the country, a lot of, a lot of conferences and different things, different organizations. And there's always a group of people that'll come up to me afterwards and say, oh my gosh, I knew nothing about this. I had never even thought about this. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And that's when I realized that there was uh, a missing link here, a gap between uh, this, this group of people and the rest of society. So I'm trying to put the message out there that we're just like everybody else. We just happen to be 
LGBT. We don't, you know, we don't lead with that. Right, right. Even though I probably do, but uh, <laughs> you know. I think in, in, in nursing in general, I think that it, we are an accepting group of individuals. Healthcare, you have to be. You can't yeah. just say, I'm not taking care of you because of what you believe or who you are or what color you are, how you look, how you dress. That's not what we do. We're on the planet to make people feel better. And what you're doing, I think, is a super important part because that's an underserviced and underrepresented group of individuals that needs to be brought to the forefront because I don't think that based on the fact of who you are romantically attracted to should ever or, or filter over into your work life. It shouldn't be um, an issue, but tell me how you deal with that when you're, when you're doing these discussions. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. Let me ask you something. How much education did you get in Kentucky? <laughs> Listen, I'm from Tennessee, so right. The research shows that the average healthcare clinician receives about 2.12 hours of education in the LGBT space. I'm still waiting to meet that nurse. I received zero hours. I get students every semester from Ivy League to No League, and nine times out of ten, they tell me they receive zero hours. So please tell me about your educational background in this in this population. My educational background is based on the fact that I think the only people that ever talked to me uh, about this were my friends that were coming out from high school or, or as we got older because they felt comfortable enough to talk to me about this. Zero education did I ever get. I may have gotten a, you know, like a culture and sensitivity course that might have touched on the fact that there are people that, you know, are of other sexual proclivities. I believe the word was proclivity. So that but did, did it, was it a nursing, you know, was this like, you know, electives or something like, did any nursing class? Not a class. No, it was, it was exactly, just, it was a work thing that we had to go through. That was it. Never. So how can you expect us as nurses know how to take care of people like me? If we're not being taught, exactly. that's what I want to change across this country. Do you know how many times I do talks on LGBTQ patient-centered care? And I will have, you know, whoever's running it or someone in the audience say, I treat all my patients the same. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm, that's the problem. Yeah. You know, every, there's intersectionality between all groups, right? Everyone has their social determinants. We have our health disparities, just like other groups. So if we don't know how to take care of them, what do we do when these patients come into our practices, into our hospitals? Because guess what? There are nearly 10 million LGBTQ people in the United States alone. I think it's higher because I think we are a hidden population. Nearly 50% of us hide in the workplace. And there's tons of female nurses who are gay. Oh, for sure. So tons. I mean, it's, it's incredible. We just don't know how to take care of them. That's what I want to change. So I'm talking to you today. We don't know what we don't know. That's right. That's right. And what made you so very passionate about this? Was it because of your upbringing without any information or are you just seeing so much disparity in people that you're encountering that just really boosted that passion for this? What happened? Well, I have to tell you, honestly, I was a clueless nurse. <laughs> 
cluelessly for over 20 years, just not even thinking about it um, and not having any knowledge of it. Being part of the population, but never thinking. It was only when I continue, started to continue my studies, advanced level studies, that I was like, wait a second, this is missing. I've got to do something about this. I grew up in Tennessee, you know, uh, very uh, Bible Belt, you know. Yes. I live in New York now. That's one of the reasons. Correct. Same for me. That's one of the reasons why. And and again, I never fault my parents for not educating me because they had zero clue. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always the jokes and that sort of thing that I would hear my parents or my aunts and uncles talking about certain people that we, you know, that we grew up with. But that was never something, not a not a subject that we talked about at the dinner table which I have tried in, you know, in my adulthood to help my kids understand. And I have some beautiful children that are absolutely the most kind humans when it comes to other people that it it just, it makes my heart happy to be able to do that. Whereas, you know, now my mom in her seventies, she always says that I've, you know, she said, you'd bring a stray cat home. It didn't matter if it had legs or not. I'm allergic (laughs) to cats though. But, but I, I want everybody to feel included in how I feel every day. I wake up every morning, not every morning is my perfect day, but I wake up and I'm thankful that I'm alive and that I have the ability to do what I do mm-hmm. because not everybody can. So let's be the voice, Shannon. I love it. Keep telling me about what you do when you do these um these educational opportunities for, you know, just even the nurses that, you know, tell me about more. Well, you know, when I first started, I've been in this space for about five years and been gay much longer, (laughs) but you know, there really wasn't that much um, training materials Mm -hmm. out there. Really couldn't find that many videos. Um, I created everything from scratch. Um, What tends to happen is I'll have an organization reach out to me and say, Hey, we need you to come in and train us on cultural sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And they've either something happened that shouldn't have happened. Oh, yeah. They said something oh. they shouldn't have said, or they didn't say something when they should have. And they're calling me or they'll see me on a, a, a show like this or hear me speaking somewhere and say, hey, can you come and, and teach us? And what I do is I start from like ground zero, like everyone knows nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I go into the very basics and it's very um, because, you know, and I I lecture a lot at a lot of uh, colleges and universities for nursing students. Mm -hmm. And it's always really well received. And I'll always have some students reach up to me. They'll DM me later and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I've been begging for this at my school. I'm so glad that you came to talk about this. And I always start off by saying that. And I'll tell your audience this here today. I'm not here to convert you. Mm-hmm. I'm here to alert you. Oh, nice. And the alert is we're not going anywhere. Okay. We're just going to grow and grow in sheer number alone. We contribute $17 trillion to the economy. You know, it's not like we're not actively participating in the economy. We nice. are, we spend our money, we get sick. We use our healthcare benefits. We go to the dentist. I'm giving a, a talk next month to a bunch of dentists. We go to the dentist. We go to the ER. We come into your nurse practitioner offices. Yeah. All right. We're on your floors. We're sitting next to you. We're your doctors. 
-hmm. we're your radiologists, we're your intake people. Mm -hmm. So just having basic, like common uh, courtesies around this is so important. But what I find, you know, we live in a heteronormative world, right? It's very binary. Everything is male or female. Right. And when there's any blur with that, gender non-conforming, non-binary, transgender, that's when we start having trouble, right. you know? And in all fairness, I have to say that a lot of straight people mm -hmm. uh, want to know, and they just, they just don't know how. They want to converse with these individuals, but they don't know what's the right thing to say, or they don't want to offend anyone. And, and you know, um, I'm releasing a book about this. It's called LGBTQ ABCs for Grownups. And it's just very, very basic. And on the back, I talk about, have you ever put your foot in your mouth and you didn't really know how to get it out? And it's just felt kind of awkward. So I give them the language that they can use when they're talk, speaking with these individuals, how to recover if they say something offensive, it's so simple right. and just, you know, basic terminology. And uh, by the time I'm done training with them, they feel much more confident in their, in their communication skills. Right. That's fantastic. I know I've been caught up in the net of seeing two female bodied patients in a room together and just saying, how are you doing today, ma'am? And in my ignorance of not asking their pronouns, what they would like to be addressed by. I have said, Hey, how are you? She looks great. You know, I've done that. And I honestly, I had the most amazing epiphany when a patient of mine said to me, well, it's actually the spouse of the patient. She said, Oh, he likes to be called he, he identifies as a male. Mm -hmm. And I was so taken aback just by the honesty, first mm -hmm. off. Secondly, because I felt, I didn't feel bad, but I wanted to make amends for the miscommunication. So, and, and this person, and actually I'm going to have him on the show um, soon, told oh. me, you know, I, I really appreciate you making sure that you are making me feel comfortable. So that makes me feel like the care that I'm receiving is care that I, I deserve. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was very interesting. And then also a wake up moment for myself of, I've got to stop looking at somebody for their face value and, and really stop trying to be that person that I'm not supposed to be. I need to be inclusive. I need to make people feel comfortable. I want people who don't feel well, regardless of their color, their, their gender identification, ri ridiculous things out there that people think they can't come and get healthcare for. I want them to feel like you can come and talk to us about anything because that's what our job is, is to make people feel better regardless of, of who they are or what they do. That's, that's not our choice to, uh, we don't get to make the decision of whether you get care or don't get care, but, mm -hmm. but it, it does fall into that because people just don't seek care because of judgmental providers. And that's, that's a sad thing. Most definitely. The, the statistics are alarming with that, with the discrimination that we face, yeah. but also we avoid seeking care because of this. I know. Like, I, I can't tell you how many pregnancy tests I've had to take. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that you was, know? you know, even working years ago in the ER, when you would, I, I, we would have to 
collect a urine specimen from a female before they got an x-ray of the abdomen or what have you. And going to the physician and saying, hey, she reports that she is not sexually active. Well, they don't care. Mm-mm. They're lying. You know, they're not telling the truth. Nobody, nobody tells the truth about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we're charging them an extra X amount of dollars per test. That's really pointless when they mm-hmm. see that they don't need it. So I, um, I, I, I'm familiar with that for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's the conversation that people are, they're not willing to have. They really aren't. When you, honestly, I've, I've encountered several people in, in my years of being a nurse on just the fact that they are already number one, afraid to come in because they look a certain way. So there mm-hmm. are some, as you know, lesbians that are gay females that choose to look more dress in that way that are we deem more man-like mm-hmm. or more female-like. So I just think that I, I, for whatever reason in my heart, I just want people to know out there that are listening that it doesn't matter to the healthcare professional that you're with. And if you think it does, then you need to find a different one. You need to find somebody. And and there are so many resources out there where you can find LGBTQ providers that are all about taking care of you and making you feel better and knowing and being cognizant of the fact that there's a little bit more of the care need there. I think that that's important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the ways that you can make a patient feel comfortable in your care delivery mm-hmm. as a healthcare professional yeah. is to ask them how they would like to be addressed. Yeah. You know, there's there's like this rule, never assume, right? That's one of the life lessons, never assume anything, right. never assume a pronoun. Right. I mean, and you have to think about this generationally, you know, the younger generation totally gets this pronoun and people yeah. who are gender nonconforming and transgender, they get all of that. Is the people who are older, mm-hmm. like myself, yeah. who are like, what do you mean what pronoun? It's either she or he. Well, no, right. gender is a spectrum. Many people exist along that spectrum. I mean, if you think about your own self, you could be 100% girly, girly, but we all have both in us, right? So for me, some days I dress up and I've got my makeup on. And then some days I want to wear my baseball cap with my ponytail and my army fatigues and boots considered more masculine, right? doesn't mean that I'm confused or I want to be male. It's just the spectrum that I'm on that day. And I think if we allow patients the opportunity to just simply tell us how they would like to be addressed and we eliminate this ma'am, sir, Mr. and Mrs., Oh my gosh, we would, we would eliminate so much misgendering and discrimination in patients receiving care. Yeah. It's really interesting. I've just recently, I've been watching some older, you know, from the eighties movies with my daughter and she is floored. She's 16. She's floored by the use of the language uh, that, that, that she's seen in those movies. She's like, mom, how did you grow up like that? Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) She must think it's ancient. She does. (laughs) And that's when I knew, I'm like, oh my gosh, I told my husband, now I know I'm old. I, I, now that's confirmation whenever your ideas have just transcended the fact that your, your kid just said, Hey, ew, you guys were gross back in the day. And and then thinking, 
you know, I probably said the same thing to my mom and dad about being racist, you know, Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. more racial things than gender identification issues. But, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, geez, okay. But, you know, one of the turning points for me, I, um, I graduated from the Institute of Authentic Tantra. And one of our educational uh, opportunities that we had with them, we got to discuss about, I don't know if you're familiar with the transgender bread man or the, the trans- gingerbread person person. Yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. See, there That's we okay. go. Right. <laughs> there we go. But that was one of those moments where I'm just like, man, I really suck at what I'm doing because I'm not thinking outside that box. Mm-hmm. box. That's my, my brain goes to the boy girl box. And it's very limiting for someone who doesn't feel like they fit into either box. Right. So we need to look at our intake forms. Oh my you know, yes. We need to review that on our EMRs. Oh, well, exactly. do we only have male and female? And there's certain questions that we just don't ask. We don't right. ask those sex questions. We kind oh, of skip over I it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because this is what you're doing, but oh, you know, no. In clinic, if you come in for a hurt toe, I'll ask you about your sex life all day long. Because it's, you know, that's a huge part of who we are as a, as a person is our ability to, uh, to discuss these things. So I've, I'm like, I'm doing this whole change up of how I do things anymore, because I want to know, how do you feel? I don't want to know. I I see that you hurt your arm and you know, this is all situational. Obviously I'm not asking five-year-olds how they feel sexually by any means. Um, I just want people to discuss it. And it's been super fantastic to do that. I've met so many amazing people doing that. And you add a second layer of your caring to the patients that you are addressing. They feel at that point in time that you're interested in more than they're, they're more than the diagnosis. They're mm-hmm. not just a broken finger. They're not just, you know, a pulled muscle. They're a person. And mm-hmm. in, in my clinical, you know, every day that I go to work, I tell myself people are not their injury. People are not their illness. These are people. And I need to know what is going to make them feel better. So that's a huge part. So please tell me about, have you been working on intake forms or anything like that? Have you been? Yeah, with some organizations, uh, I have been working on that. And, you know, what's great is that some organizations are realizing that they have some misses in that area Mm -hmm. and they're adding some extra lines to uh, encompass this population, which is great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, think about how back in the day you picked up the phone and you dialed a number and you spoke to someone. Mm -hmm. Now you pick up the phone, you dial a number, you have to press your language. Mm -hmm. You go to the ATM, you have to press your language. So, and, and now there's, so there was the race black and white. Maybe you, maybe you have another, but now it's like this. So Mm -hmm. it's the same with LGBTQ, right? You have male, female, trans man, trans woman, you know, however, just, just list and when you do list more options, that patient is going to feel more, like you said, patient-centered, right? You want to know right. more than just the diagnosis. And right. you were talking about asking those sex questions. Um, so patients appreciate that. I think you know, so. sometimes they want to talk about that, but they don't. They haven't had haven't had the opportunity to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So keep doing that. 
I'm trying. I, I really want, and, and just recently at the, where I'm working, they just in, in initiated the whole asking what pronoun you would like to be called by or known by. And also your preferred name, right? You know, that's, that's a nice, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, EMRs are EMRs and they're sometimes cumbersome and terrible, but that little cue for me was like, oh, I needed that. Can you change your name in Kentucky? Because in Tennessee, you can't. But on the EMR, so with Epic, we'll just talk about Epic for a minute because it's, it's awesome. But, and on Epic, the patient has the choice to change their, you know, whatever they want to go by as their nickname or what have you, you know, most commonly used name. But in Kentucky, I don't even, like, I've been so far removed from that right now. I don't even know, I, no clue right now how that happens. I know, you know, back how many ever years ago that was that the Carter County thing happened where people couldn't get married and, oh my gosh, what a terrible thing. Terrible. That's the reason why I, I left. And, and knowing all of the people that, you know, the most beautiful people in the whole world to make people feel terrible about who they are based on how they feel is awful. I don't it think is. that that should ever be a thing that people practice it, love and kindness, loving kindness. That's what I'm about. And I think it's important. And I want more people to know that there are a lot of providers out there that are ready to jump on to help. We just don't know how to do it a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you had something to say to providers out there, what would you say about how they could incorporate some of these things into their practice a little bit better? Seek out training. Mm-hmm. Seek out training. You don't know what you don't know. And don't have someone, because I've seen this, in the organization do the training who's clueless. Right. And just because someone is in your organization and they're gay doesn't mean they're competent in delivering this material. Right. All right. So be very mindful of that. Um, I have like I had a financial company reach out to me last week. They had seen me on a webinar or something. And they said, you know, and this is a big financial company. Yeah. I said, we're not doing anything. Like there's nothing here. And I said, but guess what? Gay people invest their money. Right. Okay. Right. So if you all do something around this population, you're probably going to grow your business. What does your, what does it, I always say, if I were to come into your practice right now, Polly, if I was to come into your floor or your hospital, would I want to have one drink and leave? You know how you get invited to choir and you're like, babe, we're just having one drink and leave because you don't really want to go, but you feel obligated, whatever. Who wants to go to the hospital? Most people don't. So would I have one drink and leave? Mm-hmm. Just going to get treated and leave? Or would I stay for dinner? Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes you go and you're having so much fun? Yeah. It's two or three drinks and you're just having the time of your life. And next thing you know, it's midnight and you're still there <laughs> because you feel comfortable. Right. Right. People are interacting you, interacting with you in a way that makes you feel comfortable and affirmed. Well, that's how we feel when we go and seek care. Right. Do we feel comfortable enough to come back? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you have 2000 patients, mm-hmm. roughly 20 of those patients are going to be a part of this population. Right. So you're seeing gay patients 
Uh, just for the record, if you're trans, it doesn't mean you're gay. You can be of any orientation, but I just use that general term. I was going to get to that in a minute. Yeah, so we can get to that because that can be confusing. <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're there in your organization. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeking care. And if we have affirming care from you, GYN or whatever, right. I'm going to tell my other friend who's gay, hey, you need to go to Polly's practice because they were so great. Next thing you know. Your business is growing because you're not asking that person to take a pregnancy test every time they come in. Right, right, right. And addressing more uh, questions and, and topics that are pertinent to the visit for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. But let's go back to what you were talking about, because that's perfect. Transgender people talk about that. Good, good, good. All right. So I'm so glad you said transgender people instead of transgenders. Okay. It's not a noun. It's an adjective. Transgender individuals, transgender people, transgender population, trans for short. It's okay to say that. The older terms, transsexual, transvestite, transvestite, tranny, he, she, male, she, not good. Those are derogatory. Don't use those terms. Now, today, <laughs> it's transgender or trans for short, okay. all right? Now, these individuals can have any orientation. Mm -hmm. They can be straight, they can be gay, they can be bi, they can be TGNC, transgender nonconforming. They can be of any persuasion, just like any other humans can be of any persuasion. Now, for me, I, you know, when I first started, I thought all trans people were gay. Uh -huh. I'm like, what do you mean trans people aren't gay, but aren't they like, Want to be girls and their gods? No, 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 no. They can be of any persuasion because think about it. This is, it's what's in here. Like how you think in your heart, mind, and spirit it has nothing to do with what's between the hips. It's how you think mm -hmm. you are, right? So you can have your attraction to anyone. If in your mind, you're a woman mm -hmm. and you've always been attracted to men, then you're straight in your mind. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a huge misconception. I had a transgender patient at one point in time say, you know, this was male transitioning to female patient or had transitioned and perfect terminology, by the way, okay. you, know, you know, more than you think you do. <laughs> well, again, I'm learning and it's a learning process. So this is why I want to do that because that whole process for this person and, and they were male to female didn't feel gay, but felt like a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, attraction wasn't even an issue at that point. It wasn't changing from male to female in search of love, romance, relationship. It was, I don't feel good in this, in this male body. So I have to change it because this is not who I am. And this does not make me feel good. And I, I, I sat and thought about that for the longest time after I had that visit. And I thought, how sad could somebody feel inside if they have nobody to talk to about this mm -hmm. And you know, with the mental health crisis that's out mm -hmm. there, not enough providers to ever take care of the need that's going on for sure. And, you know, little by little, I'm trying to learn more so that I can teach the younger nursing population a little bit more. And they're teaching me too, by the way. Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, they're teaching us too. They're totally teaching me. And I, I find so much comfort in it because it's just one more box checked off of people that I have encountered that I have made a little bit 
even if it's just a smidge of a difference in how they view their healthcare, then I want to do that every day of my entire life. Yeah. Most of to you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this platform to talk about this. You know, a lot of the research shows that um, a lot of universities don't feel that this is important to have these type of uh, conversations at their school. You know what I want to do? What do you want to do? Before I leave this world, I want to change every NCLEX across the entire country to ask at least five questions about this, what we've been talking about. You just gave me a Coaches, yeah. head to toe. Because let me tell you something. For those colleges and universities that don't think it's important, what do they think it's important? Passing the board. So like having that 100% passage rate, don't they? So if they know that they're going to have five questions on there, guess what? They're going to start teaching it. That's a whole section. Oh my God. It is. That's fantastic. That's, and that's the way that things get changed. Yes. I have no idea. Well, let me tell you, I have a big conversation coming up with the... Uh, Oh, and I've got this email. I almost fell off my chair. American <laughs> Nurse Association VP and the Johnson Johnson VP and the American College of Nursing something, something, something. And I was sitting there looking at it like this. And I was like, oh, I'm going to open my mouth. Y'all are going to be able to get me to shut up because you should never ask me to come on this call because you know what? This is what I'm going to talk about. Why don't we know how to take care of these individuals? Why are we not teaching? Are, we are failing our nurses. We're so concerned with academia. you got to have the 4.0 to get into the program. Listen, my best friend in nursing school was like brilliant up here. Uh -huh. Sucked in psych. Okay. Didn't know how to talk to a patient. Right. I think they really need to change how nursing students are admitted into these programs. And I have nothing with academia. You know, I'm, make, I'm making straight A's right now. I got my master's. I made straight A's. So I'm not just, I'm not just saying that, oh, I don't think people, no, no, no. I don't think that should be the only criteria, yeah. right? You've got to know how to talk to these patients. You've got to know how to talk to a patient that presents to you, like to me, I'm presenting to you as female and I tell you my name is Sean and I go by he and him pronouns. Yeah. What's a, what's a nursing student just graduated going to say? Uh, yeah, exactly. Faltering over every word. That yes. Next. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's, get me started on that. I'm going to start you on it because it's very passionate and I like it. <laughs> I like that talk because you're only as good as the people who train you. In nursing, that is so important because I have mm -hmm. seen people fail miserably. And I, I wholly blame it on the fact that they had horrific preceptors. And, you know, sometimes after you've been in an organization, they just make you do things, right? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't mean just because you've been there for a few years doesn't mean that you should be the go-to person that people should learn from mm -hmm. at all. And I've seen that happen time and time again. And as many people as I've ever precepted in my existence, which has been a few, and I love all of you out there. Um, I couldn't have taken on one more person, but boy, when I noticed the things that were going wrong, you have to jump in. Mm -hmm. So any other nurses out there or people who are in that preceptor role, whatever your job is, please, by all means, if you're seeing things that are happening, that you find are a little questionable, then please jump in and let somebody know because these new nurses will not know because 
historically nurses eat their young, but Mm it's, I'm, I'm, I'm one of be, and I've always wanted to be part of that change. Me too. If people don't know how the heck are they going to know? So yeah, yeah, I really, I appreciate that fact that you're, you use that, that language with people. I think it's so important. Oh my gosh. You're just a charm. I'm so glad that you came on the show. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You know, I had a horrible experience of getting eaten you know, when I was younger and I, I, you know, I was 22 years old. I had my bachelor's degree. I come from this really great university and there was these 40 plus nurses who just couldn't take me, you know, and I couldn't understand because I was like, well, you had your youth, you had your figure, hopefully, you know, you know, Um, and and I made a, a, a vow to myself because it felt so bad felt so bad. I spent many nights crying at home and I couldn't understand what I had done. And and I was the homecoming queen to, to top it all off and in the paper and stuff like that. So that didn't help the popularity contest with the 40 plus year olds. Okay. And, but at that age, you're like, why did they not like me? I'm so nice. I didn't do anything. This was my speech for like 10 years. And I said to myself, when I get older and I am older now, I've been a nurse for 30 years. When I get older, I will not do that to young nurses. I will not do that to young nurses. If I see it, I will say something. I will do something. I will call that person out because it's just not right. Women need to learn how to support each other. We need to play on teams more. You know, that's why, that's how men understand teamwork. Now this just sounds so very gender related and I know it does, but that's how men support each other so much because they play on teams and they realize that everyone has to contribute to the team to win. That's what women as nurses need to understand. Everyone needs to contribute to the team to win. And if you have a new nurse that's faltering out there, help that nurse. You know what it was like when you first started and didn't know anything. An LPN taught me everything I know because the 40 plus year old wanted me to fail. She taught me how to put in my NG tube. She taught me how to hang my line, even though she was LPN, wasn't supposed to be hanging any line. (laughs) She taught me how to put in a catheter. She taught me how to deal with chest pain, how to give nitro, how to put a nitro patch on. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know how to do any of that because, you know, in the baccalaureate program, you don't have as much clinical as the other programs do. So we need to stop that. We need to stop eating our young and we need to stop overlooking this population. Right. That's not going anywhere. Right. Okay. Stop making us hide who we are as patients and as clinicians. Right. Oh, my gosh. Everything that you're saying resonates with me so much. I want people to be able to be themselves. And regardless of whether you identify as a wood nymph or human, I don't care. I want you to know that there are people out there that can care for you, that are ready to care for you. You just have to seek it out. And it may be difficult in some areas. Absolutely. Hands down where I came from, there's a, there's a huge movement for that, but it's, it's slow in coming. But I think nurse practitioners and physicians are now being a, a little bit more proactive in their own training and their own sensitivity. So I think it's getting better, but we're mm-hmm. not where we need to be by any stretch of the name ever. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, I mean, not- at least we're starting and, and it is slowly getting there. 
Um, and you know, you just have to stand up and speak and say something. And, and, and for all the clinicians who are listening to this broadcast today, look around your organization, do some peeking, look on the website, look on the, on the paperwork that the patients get given. Um, look on when you first go into the lobby, wherever you are, are you affirming us in your organization? Is there anything there? Like when me and my wife were driving down Anytown Road, USA, in our convertible with our dog in the back, and we want to eat something, we want to grab a drink somewhere, we want to stay overnight somewhere, uh, we want to shop. What am I looking for? She's driving. I'm like, babe, there's the pride flag. What's the next thing that I do? Oh, Joe's Eatery. Does Yelp say they're good? Pride flag, Yelp says they're good. That's where I go. Because I know that I'm safe there. Right, right. All right. Now, the caveat to that is you can't just stick up a flag. Y'all see my flag? <laughs> you can't just stick up a flag and call it a day. That's going to bite you in the butt. You know why? Because I'm going to come into your organization. I'm going to see this and I'm going to go, oh, my gosh. Hey, Polly, I'm so happy to see you all are gay friendly. I was wanting to work at, at this organization. And Polly goes, what? Oh, they put that flag up last week. I was wondering what that was for. You just got bit. So you got to get training. It's not a heavy lift for organizations for this. I mean, it's not like you've got to draw it out for a long career. I give you quick, actionable tips that you can put into place right away. We've had some today. You're going to think a little bit differently the next time you ask someone a pronoun or start to get more comfortable asking that pronoun. But just small little things that you can do to make us feel welcome. We have even been denied care for who we are. You know, can you imagine that? I just made an appointment with a new accountant two days ago. And what's the first thing people say? You're filing, you're married? Yes. What does your husband do? Uh (laughs) Who said I had a husband? Right, right. You know, and then I'm like, my wife, and she says, oh, excuse me right? Handle it very well. Then I just ask, is this accountant LGBT friendly? She's, oh my gosh, yes, we have several people. And that's where I'm going to go. But, you know, those kind of questions. What's your husband do for a living? Is that your girlfriend? Is that your boyfriend? No, 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 no. Who are you partnering with? Right. Is that your partner? Partner. Partner slash spouse. That would even be better. You just made me think of a whole nother realm of things that I never thought about before just with that. Mm -hmm. that's something that we just do. And that, you know, and I, I oftentimes, and this is just a personal thing. I get irritated whenever I'm signing something and it says physician signature. (laughs) It means nothing to anybody other than in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm a provider. I'm an advanced practice provider. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a a physician, but I'm going to sign this and it's okay. But, and, and in my mind it's trivial. And for some other people that what you were just saying about that might be trivial, but at some point in time, it really starts to play on your mind. And well, you know, I have to make a split decision to come out at that moment or not. Right. When someone asks me, what does your husband do for a living? I've got to, and I, maybe I've just talked to you for 30 seconds. I got to decide in that moment, do I come out or not? Why do, why do I have to decide that? I don't, I don't know you. Right. Right. It's you know? very that's a very interesting topic to talk about. Yeah. Talk about that. Again. And I'm already feeling awkward because, and I don't know what your views are. 
Right. And if you ask someone like, like some people will just come out and tell you, especially down South. (laughs) Here in the North, they're a little bit, you know, more subtle about down South. They'll say, I don't like the gays. Oh yeah. You know, we were on a cruise ship called a straight cruise because they have gay cruises. Yeah. We're on a straight, we were on a straight cruise ship. And you know how like by 10 or 11 o'clock, all these people are drunk at the bar. Like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm talking. So I was down there with my wife and we were talking to a couple and she happened to be a nurse too. I heard all about her nine surgeries that she had had on her ankle, you know, her her husband with their 12 Camaros and four garages. I saw every color. Oh, that's nice. Okay. What do you do for a living? I teach nurses how to take care of transgender patients after they have gender affirming surgery. This was before I started my consulting company. Do you know what the man says to me? He puts his finger in my face and he says, that's disgusting. Stop it. And he walked off. And I was so shocked. And I was like, oh my God. And so the wife goes, yeah, excuse my husband because sometimes he says things that are inappropriate because by this time she's drunk, (laughs) you know? And I thought, yeah, yeah, inappropriate. And, and, you know, I was walking back down, down the corridor there and I thought he's disgusted by what I do. If I were trans, he would be disgusted by who I am. You know, and my wife said, babe, why do you tell people what you do? Like, why do you have to go into that? I'm like, because I want people to know what I do. It's, it's important work. I'm passionate about it. And of course, For sure. yeah, when, when you start talking like that, you, do you know what that makes me do? Well, I'm just going to talk about it more and more and more and more because I know you're very uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, that makes me not shut up. And I'm glad you're not shutting up, by the way. I, I have had people ask me to shut up. I, I'm sure. Of on it. on LinkedIn, please stop doing this work. Nurses, please stop doing this work. No, I, it's I, nurses like you that make me want to do this work, honey. Oh, my goodness. And you need it. It's so needed. You know, and, and you were talking about the South versus the North with transgender. And, and you know, like I honestly, <laughs> I lived in the Columbus, Ohio area for the last 11 years prior to moving out to the Pacific Northwest. They have the most amazing pride uh, demonstration and or like it's just the most beautiful thing to go to that pride parade in Columbus. And oh, yeah. The activities that go on. And I happened to be in Savannah, Georgia a few years ago. Halloween and pride fall at the same weekend, apparently. It was so tiny. And I kept thinking, well, this is Savannah, right? This is this should be a like a hip place that has you know, a little bit more for the community, but there just wasn't a whole lot. And maybe it was just because I was, you know, just visiting, but it was so small and compact compared to this, you know, the whole city of Columbus pretty much downtown shuts down so that they can have three days of the most amazing fun. And I think it's very necessary in the community to have discussions on how to make people in your community feel good about being there feel safe Mm -hmm. about going and visiting businesses, to feel safe about going to restaurants, you know, going out to dinner. But my last guest, Robert, my sweetheart, 
he talked about living in the Houston area and being concerned about going to different bars or, you know, just being out on the street with his partners based on the fact that he, he never knew at what point in time he just had to keep on guard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that he's scared, but in his mind, it's there. So there is that, you know, you're still in that fight or flight the whole time you're walking around the street when you should be enjoying the walk with the person that you're with, not to think about, holy cow. So, and, and, you know, this filters over into everything that's going on in our world right now with racism and, you know, gender specific comments that, that have transphobia, transphobia for sure. That's, you know, there are so many aspects that you don't think about, and you may be one of those people who say, oh, well, okay, I'm cool with transgender people, but you know, that's as far as it's going to go. I'm not going to go out and tell them that that I feel cool with them. I'll just not say anything. I think that people need to start speaking up about how they feel. They, they need to start saying, you know, I'm okay with, with whoever, like, I'm okay with you. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care what clothes you wear. I don't care if you get up and go to the bathroom, if you sit or stand, it does not matter. And it should just be that. Or which bathroom you go to. Right. Exactly. 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 So gosh, this has been the most awesome conversation. Is there any one other thing that you would like for people out there to know about what you do and, and how they can help or get involved? Well, I would say reach out to me on LinkedIn, Shannon Whittington, um, and just DM me there. I'll be happy to uh, consult with you in um you know, perhaps uh, talk at your organization, run it by um, whoever's up your ladder. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are we doing around this topic? And and you might be surprised or maybe a little bit of something going on that you didn't know about mm-hmm. and there may be nothing going on and you could be the person that changes that. We need more allies and advocates for us um, because we're a part of the community, and you were speaking about this earlier, but we want to be the best expression of ourselves too. Like every human wants that. And we want to have the freedom to be able to do that everywhere we go, just like you. We want the same opportunity, just like you. We're not asking for special treatment, preferential treatment, just equal, equal opportunity. That's what makes me happy. So let me know if I can come to your organization. If you go, if you go on my website, whittingtonconsulting.com, um, I can give you a free lap, a free download of my book that's coming out, uh, Kindergarten for Leaders, ABC, Nine Essential Tips for Grownups. And it's all about being kind, what you were talking about early, Polly. So I've really had a wonderful time chatting with you today. And I hope lots of people hear this and are inspired to make some changes in their organization because it can happen. I've worked with huge organizations and the culture shift can happen. That's awesome. And now that I have you in my Rolodex of things, Rolodex, isn't that old? Um, Yes, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm definitely going to keep in contact with you, Shannon. It has been a pleasure to have you on this show. And hopefully this will be the first of many encounters for us. So I'd be delighted you having you here. So just as a reminder, we are a part of Just Some Podcast Media Group. It's me and Nurse Papa and those wonderful guys from Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners. 
We would love to have you come back again, please, Shannon, at some point in time. But thanks, guys, and have a great day. Bye, everybody. Sunrise on the sun.